All right, Jabosai, good morning. Let us, let us begin. I'm going to begin by thanking Rukhaman Akiva Kovacs and Ruven Vanek for giving the shir over the last couple of days. Also to thank our sponsors, our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Elul. To thank Avram and Shane D. Kelman for dedicating and sponsoring all the Shi'ur Mendrashos this month in memory of their parents. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. And with that, let us begin. Incredible daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Mem Aleph. We are picking up three lines down from the top. Mem Aleph, Mem Aleph, 41a. Amar Vashi. Shavashi comes along and says as follows. Machlokas bepri rishon. Avabapri sheni divri hakol bein derech mekach. So just a little bit of a Ravashi's coming along and commenting on the Machlokas, Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Yochanan in yesterday's daf. So if you remember again, on the top of Mem Amud Bey's yesterday, we had an interesting Machlokas about how to go ahead and deal with produce that has Shemitah sanctity. Rabbi Elazar said, so Rabbi Loza said that you can only deconsecrate Shemitah via, via a Mekach, via some type of sale. There has to be some type of transactional mechanism in order to deconsecrate Shemitah. Rabbi Yochanan said, Bein derech Mekach, Bein derech Chilo. Rabbi Yochanan said, no, it could be a sale or it could be general deconsecration, right? Deconsecration we have in many different situations where an item possesses sanctity, but it doesn't have to be a sale. Fine, that was the Mechlokas. And again, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yochanan both proved their respective shitas in the Gemara's that followed. Comes along Ravashi, and Ravashi says that Mechlokas is only what we call pre Rishon. Now let's say, what's pre Rishon? Pre Rishon means the actual Shemitah produce. That's where there's a Mechlokas. How do you deconsecrate actual Shemitah produce? Rabbi Lazar will say it has to be through a sale, and Rabbi Yochanan will say it can be through a sale or it can be through regular deconsecration. Aval. But Prishani, when it comes to Prishani, and I was saying, now what's Prishani? If you look at Rashi, Rashi calls Prishani Dmei Shmias, Shvias, excuse me. But if you have Shemitah proceeds, what are Shemitah proceeds? Very simple. I paid money for Shemitah produce, that's Shemitah proceeds. Or I sell, right? Or I, I, I better yet, I sell Shemitah produce and now I have proceeds. That's, that's, that's Prishani. When it comes to Prishani, Divriakol, Bein Derech Mekach, so Rashi comes along and says, the Machlokas is only with the initial actual Shemitah produce. When it comes to Prishani, Shemitah proceeds, everyone agrees you can deconsecrate Shemitah proceeds either through a purchase or through regular deconsecration. I have a hadik tani lakach lakach, but one second, in the Braise that we saw in yesterday's daf, right? Your boss sound like a little bit like Chagadia, right? You go ahead and you sell this for this, and you sell this for this. It used the lotion of Mekach, of sale, to which the Gemara says, I did the Tani Reisha Lakach, Tani Nami Seifa Lakach. That's only to preserve some level of symmetry. Since the first case was the case where the first stage was a stage of a sale, so it used the ter- terminology of sale in each of the subsequent steps, as, subsequent steps as well. Say, say, Avinu Ravashi, so Avinu raised a question to Ravashi, Mishi Yeshlo Sela Shoshriyis, so Ravina raises the following case as a question on Ravashi. Listen to this. Mishi Yeshlo Sela Shoshriyis, if someone has a coin that has Shemitah sanctity, right? So a Sela that is vested with Shemitah sanctity. And what happens? Ubi Keshli Gachba but I want to buy a shirt with it. So the problem is, of course, money vested 
with Shemitah Sanctity, has Shemitah Sanctity, and I can't just go to the store and buy a shirt with it. So what do I do? You should go to a shopkeeper who you have a connection with. Right? Go to a shopkeeper who you have a relationship with. And you say the following to the shopkeeper. So listen to this case. I have the coin, I have a cella that is vested with Shemitah Sanctity. I want to buy a shirt. I want to buy a shirt, a regular shirt, with that money. I can't because the money is vested with Shemitah Sanctity. So what do I do? I have to deconsecrate the money. How do I deconsecrate the money? I go over to a shopkeeper who I have a relationship with. You'll see why I need a relationship in this type of situation. I go to a shopkeeper I have a relationship with, and I say to him, Va'omerlo, tainli sella beperos. Do me a favor, I want to buy a sella worth of fruit. Okay, so he gives me a seller's worth of fruit. Vino sinlo, and I go ahead and I give him, he gives me a seller worth of fruit. Vino sinlo, and then I give him the, he gives me the fruit. The choser va'omrelo, hare pelos, so now what happens? Well, say stage one, stage one. He gives me the fruit, I give him the seller. Good, pretty straightforward so far. Now watch this. Now I have the fruit, he has the seller. So again, what, what happens in that moment? In that moment, ultimately, again, the, remember, in that moment, the Shemitah sanctity transferred from the money to the fruit. So now I am in possession of fruit that have Shemitah sanctity. The, the shopkeeper is an owner of money that possesses what? Well, he possesses seller. What's the status of the seller? Chulin. Right, it's chulim because remember again the sanctity, the sanctity of the money has transferred onto the fruit. Okay, now watch this. And what happens? I then say to the shopkeeper, you know what? I'm in a good mood. I'd like to gift these fruit back to you. I'd like to gift the fruit back to you. And the shopkeeper says, that's so nice of you. I'd like to give you back this money. Right? I'd like to give you back this money with Matana. And then what happens? Now watch what's happened over here. One more time. I have a seller that has Shemitah Sanctity. I want to buy a shirt. I can't buy the shirt with that seller. So what do I do? I go over to the Chenveni. I say, Chenveni, shopkeeper, I'd like to buy a seller's worth of fruit. No problem. I buy the seller's worth of fruit. What happens now? Transactionally, what happens? The sanctity of the money transfers to what? To the fruit. So now I am in possession of fruit that have Shemitah sanctity. The Chenveni is in possession of a regular seller. I then say to the Chenveni, I'd like to gift you this fruit back. He says, thank you so much. You know what? I'd like to gift you your money back. The money I got back has what kind of sanctity? Chulin. Now I can buy with what with it? What with it? Whatever I want, my shirt. And now the Chenveni has his fruit back. Now he doesn't just have regular fruit back. What does he have back? Fruit with Shemitah Sanctity. So, of course, this little arrangement works beautifully for me because now I get my money back with no Shemitah Sanctity. It works well for the Chenveni as well. He's got his fruit back. The only caveat is it's Shemitah, right? In other words, it ha- the only caveat is that that, that that fruit has Shemitah Sanctity and has to be consumed as such. Remember again, Fruit that has Shemitah Sanctity, as we've seen, has a whole variety of different halachos that govern with it. So as long as the Chenveni doesn't mind, at the end of the day, having fruit with Shemitah Sanctity, this works out beautifully. This works out beautifully. So the Gemara says, Vaha hacha de Now, I remember, what is this a case of? 
This is a case of Prisheni. Because remember again, what do we start out with over here? What has the initial Shemitah sanctity in this case? The Sela. So that's Dmeshrius, right? That's, 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 Shemitah, that's Shemitah money. That's not actual Pero Shemitah. The Katani Derech Mekach in Derech And remember again, what are we saying over here? That Halacha how do you go ahead and deconsecrate Dmeshrius? Only with what? Through a purchase, right? Through a sale, not through regular deconsecration. Well, that goes against what Rav Ashi said before. Rav Ashi wanted to say the Machlokis Rav Lazar and Rabbi Yochanan only applies to the initial Shemitah produce. But Halacha Lamaisa, what we call Pero Sheni or Prisheni, everyone agrees you can do whatever you want with it. We see that's not true. Al-Am Ravashi, Machlokis per Prisheni. So we'll see Ravashi, Ravashi kind of pivots a little bit and he says as follows. In fact, the Machlokis Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yochanan is only in Prisheni. He's only in what we call Dmei Shviyas, Shmiyas proceeds. That's the Machlokis. Avaba Prishon, when it comes to initial Shemitah produce, Devrehakol, Derech Mekach, in Derech Chilul Lo. When it comes to Prishon, I will say everyone agrees that Shemitah could only be deconsecrated, Derech Mekach, through a sale, or we'll call it through a transaction, but not through regular deconsecration. I, Vahad Dikani Echad Shriyas, Vahad Maiser Shani, but one second, when the Mishnah said both Shriyas and Maiser Shani produce, my Shviyas, Demei Shviyas. When it's referring to Shviyas over there, it must be referring to Demei Shviyas, to what we call, to what we call, right, Demei Shviyas, I mean, proceeds from Shemitah produce. The Elotim because if you don't say this, Maiser, Maiser Mamish, do you think that the Maiser Shani that the Mishnah is referring to is actual Maiser Shani? V'hoksiv v'tsarta kesef biyadacha. I will say it is clear that Maiser Shani itself can only be deconsecrated in a very specific way, which is what? Onto a coin. There's a whole bunch of halachas that cover the type of coin as well. Ela demei meiser. So therefore, the case of meiser sheni itself is talking about meiser sheni proceeds. Hachenami demei shviyas. So Tobir, the case that we're referring to is the case of demei shviyas. So therefore, both say at the end of the day, Ravashi pivots, and Ravashi actually says as follows: When it comes to actual shmita produce, excuse me, everyone will agree that the only way to deconsecrate actual shmita produce itself. Is derach derach mekach in in the in the form of a sale? There has to be a transactional element in order to deconsecrate shemitah. When it comes to peros dor demei shvi is peros sheni shemitah proceeds. That's where the machlokis Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yochanan ultimately will come. We'll say how do we paskin in this situation? So the Rambam, excuse me, in Hilcho Shemitah Yovel Perak Vav Halacha Ches writes as follows. So the Ramam is quite explicit. The Ramam writes, Shemitah produce itself can only be deconsecrated by way of a sale. Right? There has to be a transactional deconsecration. So for example, classic deconsecration. I'm sorry. Classic deconsecration, which we have in almost every other area of halacha, right? Where again, you take an item and you simply transfer its sanctity onto something else, does not apply by Shemitah produce. Shemitah produce could only be deconsecrated in a transactional sale form. The Medram, where the Ramam writes, when is that true? The pre-rishon. That's only true with actual Shemitah produce itself. Aval the pre-sheni. So we'll say, so remember again, what's the definition of pre-sheni? Definition of pre-sheni? 
Pre-Shini is pretty much, remember what we saw in yesterday's daf is, Shemitah sanctity is very interesting, is that it continues on, right? You could keep on transferring it item to item to item. So pretty much, once you've transferred Shemitah sanctity from the initial produce onto something, that something is called pre-Shini. If you want to deconsecrate pre-Shini, that's mischalel ben derech mekach, Bain derech chilo. That could be deconsecrated either through a transaction or just through what we'll call regular transference deconsecration. So we'll say, to deconsecrate actual peros shavius requires mekach, requires actual what we'll call transactional deconsecration. From pre-sheni and on, or you could use transactional deconsecration, or what we'll call transference deconsecration, classic chilul as well. Incredible. Well, that's beautiful. That does, truth is, we'll have to find the opportunity in general to delve a little bit more into Hilcho Shemitah, because it is quite fascinating and quite riveting. And even whether, from, from, from an Aristotle perspective, from a visitor's perspective, it's, it's interesting. We'll have to find the occasion to do that. So, Bose, so now we begin a really incredible, incredible, overwhelmingly riveting sugya. We begin with the Mishnah. Bose, this is truly beautiful Gemara. Transformative Gemara. Barishona, in the beginning. Bose, what's in the beginning? There's only one beginning. The beginning is when the Beis HaMikdash stood. See, so in the beginning, Hayalulav Nital B'Mikdash Shiva U'Bimadini Yomechad. They would take the lulav in the base hamikdash all seven days, ubi medina, and in the medina one day. Now, Boston, this is very interesting. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says b'mikdash shiva kidrashinam b'taraskonim mivesamachtem lefnei Hashem alokechem shivas yamim velo begvulin zanyam. Now, Boston, interestingly enough, in the original practice it was as follows: in the base hamikdash they would take the lulav seven days because the pasuk says. Usmachtem, you shall rejoice lifnei Hashem before Hashem for seven days. They took this to mean what's lifnei Hashem or where is lifnei Hashem in the base hamikdash. So mitzvah of lulav in the base hamikdash seven days. Bemedina only one day. Now I will say here there is a huge machlokas as to what the definition of Medina is. Rashi says Medina is Birushalayim. According to Rashi, Medina means anywhere outside of the Beis HaMikdash itself. So, including Yerushalayim. The Rabban and others explain that no, the Mikdash means Beis HaMikdash and Yerushalayim. The Medina means outside of Yerushalayim. Now, I will say this is really huge because it, it's, it's a major like historical machlokas. It's a major historical machlokas in terms of how was the mitzvah of Lulav actually practiced? Again, right now, we'll, we'll just go with Rashi, although we're going to see the next Mishnah is difficult to appreciate according to Rashi. In any event, so we'll say so again. So therefore, in originally, they would take the Lulav seven days in the base HaMikdash, sorry, seven days in the base HaMikdash and one day in Medina. Good. Mishacharav Beis HaMikdash, when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, Hiskin Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Shei Lulav Nitl ben Medina Shiva Zechel HaMikdash. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, will say, instituted a number of takhanas we're going to see Zechel HaMikdash to remember their practice in the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai instituted that we should take Lulav even outside of the Beis HaMikdash ben Medina for seven days. Why? Zechel HaMikdash. To remember the practices which were observed in the base Hamikdash. Bosir Yochanan ben Zakkai was the one who instituted 
the practices as we know today, Zecher Lamikdash. You're going to see there are two different practices, Zecher Lamikdash, Zecher Lechorban, two different things. We'll discuss the distinction between the two. Rabbi Yochanan Mezaka instituted that in the aftermath instruction of Esam we take the Lulav, Bimedina, seven days. Furthermore, Visheyehe Yom Hanef Kula Asr. He also instituted that the entire Yom Hanef, the day of waving, should be totally Asr. Now, said there's a really interesting Rashi over here. Look at Rashi. Visheyehe Yom Hanef, what's the day of the waving? Rashi says, Shal Omer. This refers to the day that they brought to Kabbal. Remember again, Shehut Dahainu Tezayim Benisan. Kabbal Omer was brought on the second day of Pesach. Second day of Pesach. So Rabbi Yochanan, Mr. said, just quickly outside, then we'll do it inside. The significance of the Karban Omer is that it allows us to consume Chadash. Chadash refers to any new wheat which was planted since last Pesach, right? So for example, if it's Pesach 5781, so what would happen? You'd bring the Karban Pesach, you'd, try, you'd bring the Karban Omer, which was, remember, from barley. You'd bring from barley on the second day of Pesach, you'd offer up that Karban, for, once you offer up that carbon that allows you to eat any grain that was planted between Pesach 57.80 and Pesach 57.81. It permits the consumption of chadash. Without that carbon, right? Until that carbon of Omer is, is, is offered, you cannot consume chadash. Now Rashi says, so listen to this. Midar Ultimately, again, when there's a Karbana Omer, the offering of the Omer allows for consumption of Chadash. When the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed and there was no Karban HaOmer, technically speaking, you could consume Chadash as of daybreak of the second day of Pesach. As soon as daybreak comes, you could consume Chadash. Now, the Rashi goes through this. Where, where do we know that? From Kedar Menachas, Kasav Echad Omer Ad Etzam Ayom Azeh, Dahayim Yoheir HaMizrach, the Kasav Echad Omer Ad Aviachem. We have a contradiction in Psukim. One Pasuk indicates, again, that you can consume Chadash as of daybreak on day number two. The other Pasuk says you have to bring the Karbana Omer. How do we reconcile the two Haketzad? Bizman di'ika Omer ad When, ultimately, again, when, when there's a base of you bring the Karbana Omer, you can't eat Chadash until you bring the Karban. O bizman leka Omer ad etzem. And ultimately, when there is no Karbana Omer, you can eat Chadash already as of daybreak. So again, takana number two is that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said as follows. Once the Eisamikdash was destroyed, even though technically you should be able to consume Chadash as of when? When there's no Eisamikdash as of when? Daybreak. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said no. You cannot consume Chadash the entire second day of Pesach, but rather you must actually wait until the 17th day of Nisan, the third day of Pesach, in order to consume Chadash. Why he legislated that, we will see. Ultimately, good. So we'll say, so the Gemara says as follows. Let's say, I'll just point out something absolutely amazing. Actually, let, let's go a little bit weiter and then I'll come back to it. So the Gemara says, from where do we know that we do Zechel HaMikdash? We'll say that at the end of the day, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai instituted a practice that we should take the lul of seven days Zecher Lamikdash. From where do we know that we institute practices Zecher Lamikdash? 
From where do we know? So the Gemara says, Am Rabbi Yochanan, Amr The Pasik says as follows, Ki ela arucha lak, the Gemara over quotes the Pasik from, from Yermio. Ki ela arucha lak, uimakosayach erpaich nuum Hashem, kinidachu karau lak. Josh is reading from this last Pasik. They've called, remember again here, Yermio Hanavi is referring to, to Yerushalayim or to the Beis Hamikdash, to Am Yisrael altogether. Kinidachu karau They've called you a castaway. Tzion hi, Dorish No one is seeking out Tzion. So over here painting a picture of incredible desolation and destruction is saying, Tzion, you'll become an outcast and no one, will evil, no one will even inquire about you. No one will ask after you. So the Gemara says, Tzion hi, Dorish No one inquires after Tzion. Michlal de Bayedrisha. Which indicates to us what? that we should be seeking out, we should be in, literally inquiring after Tzion. So I'll say, now in other words, what the Gemara is saying is as follows, and it's quite, quite gripping, that Gimeo describes a city, that is, a base of Mikdash that is destroyed, that is forgotten about, that no one even thinks about. Nobody even thinks about. That's what it means to be destroyed. That's what it means to be lost. Nobody even thinks about you. And therefore, again, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai understood that if no one's thinking about the Beis HaMikdash, then we have an obligation to inquire and to think about, to, to constantly contemplate the Beis HaMikdash. This was the impetus for these takhanas of Zechar Lamikdash, to never forget about the Beis HaMikdash. Well, so I'll just mention now, because we're going to see that there are two different takhanas. There's Zechel Mikdash and there's Zechel Churban. Those are two different things. Zechel Mikdash are the practices we engage in in order to remember that which was done in the Beis HaMikdash. Zechel Churban are the things we do to remember the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So for example, the Gemara says, if you're building a home, you leave an Amma by Amma, a square unfinished in your home, Zechel Churban. Zechel Churban, those practices, when we set our table, we never put out all of our finest items, right? We always hold something back. Zechel Churban. The takanos of Zechel Churban are there to remind us of the destruction, right? To remind us that things are not as they should be. Zechel Mikdash are practices in order to, in order to cause us to anticipatorily pine for the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. They serve two different purposes. Zechel L'Churban is to get us to mourn over that which has been lost. Zechel L'Mikdash is to get us to yearn for that which we want back. So again, just pointing out over here, you'll even notice, you'll even notice that the Lashon over here is not Zechel L'Churban in the Mishnah. The Lashon over here is what? Zechel L'Mikdash. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai wants us to replicate the practices of the Beis HaMikdash in order to get us to yearn for the rebuilding of the Mikdash. Number one, that we shouldn't forget that which was done, but the goal of not forgetting, right, ultimately again, Dorish in is to go and be, is to Dorish after it, to want the Beis HaMikdash, to yearn for the Beis HaMikdash, to remember the Beis HaMikdash. Incredible. Next, Vishay Yomanei. So we'll say this, that's number one. That's number one. Number two, Takana was that the entire day of the second day of Yom Tov, of Pesach, is also in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash, you cannot eat Chadash the entire second day of Pesach. So the Gemara says, my time, but said, listen to this Gemara. Why, why did Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai legislate this? Listen to this. Mehira Yibana HaMikdash. 
because in Yerush Hashem the Beis Hamikdash will be speedily rebuilt. V'yomru, what's going to happen, Abosah? Listen to this Gemara. V'yomru, people will say, Ishtakid milo achalnu keheir mizrach. Last year, last year there was no Beis Hamikdash, and when did we eat chadash? When did we eat chadash? As soon as the sun came out, right, right, I should say daybreak, even earlier, daybreak. So this year we should also eat chadash. When what? When, 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 as soon as the day breaks. And what's going to happen? And they'll forget last year we ate chadash as soon as it was daybreak because there was no Beis HaMikdash. But now that there is a Beis HaMikdash, it's not daybreak that allows for consumption of Chadash, but rather it's what? It's what? It's the Mikdash itself. So both sides, So essentially, what the Gemara is saying is like this. Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai was afraid of confusion. Was afraid of confusion. And he was afraid that what's going to happen, people are going to forget that Mehira, well, see, listen to these words. Mehira Yibana HaMikdash. Mehira Yibana HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is going to be rebuilt, and it's going to be rebuilt speedily in our days. Speedily in our days. And what's going to happen? So this year, the Beis HaMikdash is going to be rebuilt, and right people are going to get confused between what they did last year and what they did this year. So if last year, when there was no Mikdash, we allowed consumption of Chadash, upon daybreak of day 16, right, of the 16th of Nisan, second day of Pesach, so now this year the Beis Hamikdash is going to be rebuilt. People are going to say, "Oh, what's Allah Chadash? Oh, last year we ate Chadash. As soon as it was, it was daybreak on the second day Pesach, right?" And they're going to forget that's because last year there was no Beis Hamikdash. This year there is a Beis Hamikdash. You can't eat Chadash as of daybreak. You have to wait for the bringing of the Omer. So Biocher Menzaka essentially says, in order to avoid any confusion where there is no Beis Hamikdash, you cannot consume Chadash the entire second day of Pesach. This way, this way, what's going to happen when the Beis Hamikdash is rebuilt? People will already be accustomed to what? To what? To not eating chadash the entire second day of Pesach. And again, it'll be wonderful because we won't have to wait the whole second day. As soon as you bring the Karbana Omer, you could consume chadash. To which the Gemara says, "Let me ask you. You're worried about the Beis Hamikdash being rebuilt speedily. The Ibni Amos. When is the Beis Hamikdash going to be rebuilt?" They're both saying. The Gemara is not asking the question that we all think about every single day, the Ibni Amos, when is it going to be rebuilt? Because that's the question that, of course, is always a primary one. The Gemara is saying, actually, what day? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is afraid of confusion. He's afraid of confusion. Now, I both say, generally, when does confusion occur? It's a good Musr. Confusion occurs when? When things occur in haste. Right? It's a good Musr in life. Right? If you're a last-minute person, and often there's a frenetic frenzy of activity. Often mistakes are made and confusion occurs. Good to be thought out, methodical, take your time with things. So when is the Beis HaMikdash being rebuilt that we're worried about this confusion? So the Gemara says, Mizrach. If you're going to say the Beis HaMikdash is being rebuilt on the second day of Pesach, well again, once dawn comes on day number two of Pesach and there is no Beis HaMikdash, What's the halacha? Chadash is mutter as of daybreak. So listen to this. Maybe the Beis HaMikdash is being rebuilt on the 15th. Now this is fascinating because what is the 15th of Nisan? What is the 15th? Yantiv, right? So apparently the Gemara says possibly that the Beis HaMikdash could be rebuilt on the 15th of Nisan, on Yantiv. Well, if that's the case, the most you should do is what? Is go ahead and ask Chadash 
only up until midday of the 16th. You don't have to ask her the entire day. To make some which is going to be rebuilt on the 15th, that gives people a little bit of time to recognize what's going on. Answer it half a day on the 16th, not a whole day. Because we learned, because the Gemara says that when the Beis HaMikdash stood, and they used to go ahead and offer up the, the carbon, the, the carbon Omer, you never had to wait more than half day, more until Chatzos, to consume Chadash. Why? Because, again, the Kohanim were very diligent about their Avodah, and it was never, it never, you know, it was more than half of the day, never went by without the carbon offer being offered up. So the Gemara said, No, what do we have to be concerned about? Maybe where the Beis HaMikdash was built the night of the 16th. It was built the night of the 16th. So if you could imagine, if it was built the night of the 16th, so what could happen? Or right before sunset of the 15th going into the 16th. The Gemara is painting a picture of us over here of a Beis HaMikdash that's literally being built either the night of or right before the second day of Pesach. In which case, again, you could understand there would be some confusion about what's going on, people might end up assuming, just like last year, we ate Chadash as of daybreak. So to this year, we could eat Chadash as of daybreak as well, without realizing last year, we didn't have a Beis HaMikdash. This year, we did have a Beis HaMikdash. Therefore, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says, in order to go ahead and avoid any confusion, Halacha Lamaisa, second day of Pesach, can't eat Chadash at all. Now, both saying, now I know what you're thinking, how does the Gemara entertain the possibility that the third base Hamikdash is being built on Yamtif? Right? Because after all, again, we have a general cloud that the base Hamikdash is not built on Shabbos and Yamtif. After all, again, remember the building of the base Hamikdash ultimately, again, requires Malacha. How are we building the base Hamikdash on the second day of Yamtiv? Take a look at Rashi. This is incredible. Rashi says over here, Inami, it's four lines up from the bottom. I'll say this is incredible. The Ivni Bechamisar, Vikasha. So first of all, Rashi points out, we have another cloud that the Beis HaMikdash is not built at night. So Rashi has two questions. Number one, we have a cloud Beis HaMikdash is not built at night. Number two, number two, Beis HaMikdash is not Doche Yamtiv. We'll say, get ready for this, Rashi. Hani Mili, Binyan habonai bide adam. That only applies to a structure built by man. That you can't build it at night and you can't build it on yamtiv. Ava mikdash ha'asid sha'anu metzapin banui umushlahu yegala v'yavo mishamayim. Rashi says the third base hamikdash is going to come down fully intact from shamayim. And we'll say, isn't this absolutely incredible? So Rashi says, there is no kasha about building the third mikdash, the third base of mikdash at night. There is no kasha about going in and building the third base of mikdash on Yom Tev because we're not building the third base of mikdash. The third base of mikdash descends whole, fully intact, fully complete, from Shamayim, right onto Harabayas. 
Isn't this absolutely incredible? So, so you understand, of course, this happens to be a major machlokas about what the status of Mikdash Shlishi is going to be. Is it going to be something we build or is it going to come be something that, we, that comes down fully intact? Rashi says clearly it's going to come down fully intact. V'haraya, the Gemara entertains the possibility of a Beis HaMikdash on the second day of Yantiv, on the Beis HaMikdash at night, which is a Raya. Ultimately, again, that's what? That Allah, the third Beis HaMikdash, comes down from Shrine fully intact. Jose, I just want to point out something so beautiful on the Lashon of Rashi. If you look at Rashi, Rashi's Lashon over here is, if you look at the second line, I think it's Kedai to like underline it. Rashi says, Ava Mikdash Ha'asid Sha'anu Mitzapin. The future Mikdash that we're waiting for. I will say, isn't it incredible that we're waiting for the same thing that Rashi waited for? We're waiting for the same thing. Right, the same, the same Bayish Lishi that Rashi was waiting for, we're waiting for. The words that he wrote, that he wrote more than a thousand years ago, are the same words that, that live on our, that live, that live on our tongue, that live on our heart, live on our soul each and every day. Right, Rashi's not talking about Bayish Rishon. He's not talking about Bayish Shein. He's talking about Lishi. Rashi yearned for the same base Hamikdash that we yearn for. Isn't that absolutely incredible? We're going to talk more about that as soon as I get to the Mishnah. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai holds like Rabbi Yehuda. What does Rabbi Yehuda say? The Amar, Torah hu Aser. Ultimately, again, Rabbi Yehuda ultimately holds that Halacha Lama in the absence of the Beis Hamikdash, Chadash is actually Aser Midda the entire, in the, I'm sorry, in the absence of the Karbana Omer, Chadash is Aser Midda the entire second day of Yom Tiv. In other words, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai makes this only like a takana, but in fact we're going to see that is actually the halacha daraisa. Dichsev, because the Pasuk says on the days, Ad etzem hayom azeh, ad itzumo shayom. Interesting, the, the way Rabbi Huda darshans the phrase, ad etzem hayom azeh, means until the entirety of this day. That the Torah is actually saying that in the absence of the Karbana Omer, Chadash is biblically prohibited the entire second day of Yom Tif. And he holds that ad means up until and including. Does Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai actually hold like that? We see him polygali. We see a this año. When the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai legislated that the entire second day of Pesach should be usher for Chadash consumption. Amr lo Rabbi Huda, v'alo minatoro hu aser. Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai, why do you have to legislate anything? There's a biblical prohibition. In the absence of the carbon omer, midda oraisa, chadush is aser the entire second day of Yom Tiv. So the Gemara tichsev ad etzay yom hazeh ad itzumo shoyom. Rabbi Huda hu dekatoi. Rabbi Huda was the one who was making the mistake. How so? Who suffered midrabana ka'amar? Velohi midda oraisa ka'amar. He thought that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was saying that this was an Isra de Rabbanon. When in fact Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was agreeing that this was an Isra de Oraisa. Ay, baha, hiskin ka'amar. But it says hiskin. But said, Lashon of hiskin means what? Means what? Institute. 
institute usually means what? And they said, Rabbanon, my hiskin, what does it mean? Hiskin, darash the hiskin. He darshaned the pasik, he darshaned the pasik, and ultimately again went ahead and essentially put things back or allowed things to revert to the initial biblical status. Remember again, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai lived through the Khurban, which means in the earlier part of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's life, people were eating Chadash when? When? As soon as the Karban Omer was offered. Once the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed and there was not a Karban Omer, Dorosh the Hiskin. He darshin the Pasuk. What does the Pasuk say? Ad etzem ayom azeh, ad itzumo shayom, ad va'ad bichlal, midaraisa, midaraisa, you can't eat Chadash the entire day, the entire second day of Pesach, when there is no carbon Omer. Amad v'hiskin. So he went ahead and, or Darash v'hiskin. Rabbi Yochem Mezakai Darash in the Pasuk and established Ta'alacha in accordance with the initial biblical law, namely, that in the absence of the carbon Omer, in the absence of the carbon Omer, Halacha l'maysa, you can't eat Chadash the entire second day of Pesach. And I will say, that is indeed how we pass in today. I will say, I just want to point out something amazing, very, very, very quickly. If you go back to Amad Aleph for just a moment, Mem Aleph, Amad Aleph, Tosis, this is beautiful. So Tosis points out something fascinating. He says, Harbi Takonos, Tikin Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai made many Takonos. As I mentioned before, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was the one who created the concepts of Zechel Khurban and Zechel Mikdash. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai made many Takonos. Tosis says, Ela Hanach Tarki Tarti Tikin Yachad, Lahachi Tanahacha Yom Hanef Agav Grara. So what Tosis is bothered by is as follows. Why are these two takanas of the Mishnah mentioned together, right? Number one, they take Lulav all seven days outside of the Beis HaMikdash. And number two, that the entire second day of Pesach is Aser by Chadash. What, why are these two things linked together? And by the way, throughout Shas, they're often linked together. Tosis asks, in Menachas, they're not mentioned together. We'll leave aside Tosis' question. So why are they, why, why are they mentioned together? So Tosis gives a fascinating answer. Tosis says it's because... Because Halacha Lamaisa, they were instituted together. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai made these takanas at the same time. So because he made them at the same time, they are often mentioned together. I want to share with you something amazing. The Imre Emes, the Ger Rebbe, says something dramatically beautiful. He says, he said, listen to this. Listen to these words. So the Imre says as follows. When Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai instituted that we have to take the Lulav for seven days outside of the Beis HaMikdash, once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, people realized what did that mean? That it was going to be a long Golos. If you have to institute practices, Zecher Mikdash, if you have to institute practices to remember that which was done in the base of Mikdash, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means it's going to be a long galus. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai doesn't want us to forget that which was done in the base of Mikdash. And so people were demoralized. People were depressed. People were sad. How long is the galus going to go on for? So what does Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai do right after he is metakin? That you take the lulav seven days outside of the Beis HaMikdash. Zechel HaMikdash. What does he institute immediately afterwards? V'sheyehei yom hanef kula aser. That the entire second day of Pesach, 
should be usher ultimately again in the consumption of Chadash. Why, Rabbi Why is the entire second day of Pesach usher in Chadash consumption? Why three words? Mehera Yibane Hamikdash. Because Rabbi Hamikdash will be rebuilt speedily in our days. And Rabbi say, is this not the dialectic of the Jew? On one hand, Galus is long. On the other hand, Mehera Yibane Hamikdash. So Yochanan Menzakai, on one hand, instituted, you have to take Lulav seven days outside of the base Hamikdash because it's going to be a long Galus. Remember again, unlike the destruction of the first base Hamikdash, where the Nabi told us 70 years. After the destruction of the second base Hamikdash, we did not know how long this was going to be. Rabbi Yochanan Menzakai understood it's going to be a long, difficult Galus. And so we have to institute practices so no matter how intense our suffering, we never forget what happened in the base Hamikdash. But lest you think that that means there is no hope, Lest you think that means that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Lest you think that there is no gula. Why? Mehira yibana hamikdash. Therefore, says the Ger Rebbe, these two takanas are always mentioned together throughout Shas. Because with Lulav, you may become demoralized that the Galus is never going to end. And so therefore, again, the takana of Shehei Yom Hanif Kula Aser is Mehira Yibana HaMikdash. Gullus is long, but the Beis HaMikdash could be rebuilt at any time. This is the dialectic of the Jew. I brace myself for the long journey, because I know it's going to be a long journey. But I also know that Gula, be it personal or national, could arrive at any moment. Incredible, I'll say. Incredible. Mishnah. Mishnah, Mishnah. So continuing along. Now, here's what's also amazing, is we're reverting back now to that which was done in the base Hamikdash. You're going to see in just a moment. Yom Tov Rishon Shalchad, Shechal Yos If the first day of Yom Tiv fell out on Shabbos. Now, I remember again, don't think about what we do contemporarily because we have a different issue, what we call the Gzera of Rabba. But this time, what was initially done. Yom Tov Rishon Shalchad, Shechal Yos B'Shabbos. Remember again, Midorai, so... You take Lula of an Esrog on Shabbos, right? The only thing you have to be concerned about is what? Is what? Is carrying. So what would they do? Yom Tov Rishon Shalchag Shechal Yos B'Shabbos When the first day of Sukkis fell out on Shabbos Kala Amolich Nes Lulavein Lebeis HaKnesses Everyone would bring their Lulav to Shul. To Shul. So I will say, so remember again, we're going to see this, this could refer to just in general before the Gzera of Rabbah. Remember again, Rabbah, we'll say the Gzera of Rabbah is the Gzera of Shema Yolichinu Dala Amzushusarabim. Lest you come to carry something, Dala for example, this is the reason we don't read Megillah on Shabbos. Why is it that when Purim falls out on Shabbos, we don't go ahead and read Megillah on Shabbos? Why is that? Again, same concern that you may come to go ahead and carry something in Rosh on Shabbos. In general, any time you have a mitzvah which requires an object, for its fulfillment, we right, chauffeur, same idea, right? Anytime you require an object, Rabbi came along and said, you know what? Don't do it on Shabbos. We're concerned you may come to carry. So therefore, again, initially before the Gzera of Rabbah, what would people do? They'd, they'd bring their Lulav to Shul on Erev Shabbos. 
And what happens? Right? The next morning, the next morning, everybody would get up early, come to shul. And we'll say, now what happens? And everybody would recognize their... Right? What, and Rabbi, so here's what's interesting. Why would they come early to shul? Why would they come early to shul? To, re- to recognize your love. It's interesting how people apparently need a reason to come early to shul, right? Uh, it's, it's, some, it's, it's apparently like the function of the human condition, right? So in other words, just coming early to shul because it's a good idea for tefillah is not enough of a motivation. There has to be a reason. So why am I coming early to shul? Because I need to find my lulav before anyone else cops it. And everybody takes their own lulav. Because we'll say very simply, as we're going to see, we've discussed this already. On the first day of Yom Tiv, you need your own lulav. You need your own lulav. Therefore, again, this is why, by the way, everybody would bring their lulav to shul on Erev Shabbos. Somehow place it somewhere in the crate. Come early to shul the next day so I could identify my lulav. So I could be Yotze with my lulav. Ushari Yamosachag, the rest of the days of Yamtiv, Yotse Yede Chovasa Bilolava Shachadera. The rest of the days of Yamtiv, this really wasn't a concern, because as we're going to see, the obligation of Lachem, for you to be the singular owner of your own Lulav, is only a din on the first day of Yamtiv, not a din by the rest of Yamtiv. Rabbi Yossi, Yom Rabbi Yossi says, Yom Tov Rishon Shachag, Shechalios Bishabis. If the first day of Yom Tiv ultimately fell out on Shabbos, we'll say, now Rabbi Yossi described an interesting case. You didn't bring your Lulav to Shul on Erev Shabbos. You forgot. And now Shabbos morning, you forgot again. And what did you do? You carried your Lulav out into Rishos Harabim. So you violated the Malacha of Hotzal. I was transferring your iron from one domain to another domain. Rabbi Yossi says, Potter, ultimately again, you are Potter. Why? Because ultimately, again, you took it out with permission. Now, what does it mean you took it out with permission? You don't have permission to do that. Rashi says, Oh, Shavu Tziyah Bershos, Bershos Mitzvah, Shayut Harul B'Mitzvah, Umechashev, Va'asuk, Umemaher La'asosa, Umitoch Kach Ta'a, V'Shachach Shu Shabbos, Ve'Kasavar, Rabbi Yossi, Ta'a B'Dvar Mitzvah, V'Shagah B'Dvar Kareis, Pater Mekarban. So also, we're going to Rabbi Yossi holds, that Allah Lamaisa, you were Misasek. You were Misasek means you were actively involved with the commission of a mitzvah. You did not realize that that which you were doing is wrong, and therefore, ultimately, again, you are potter from bringing a carbon for your infraction. Again, we'll, we'll see exactly what that means. Now, again, obviously, Rabiosi is not saying it's mutter. Rabiosi is just saying if you're a misasik, actively involved and preoccupied with the performance of a mitzvah, sahalach alamaisi, you are potter, you are exempt from carbonic liability. Says the Gemara Minahani Mili, that was saying that obviously the Gemara is describing pretty, a pretty intense process over here. Everybody's coming to Shul Erev Shabbos to drop off their lulav because everyone has to have their own lulav on the first day. How do I know that? Minahani Mili, the Tanrabanon, Ulakachtem, Shetehe Likicha Biyav Kol Echad Veechad. Ulakachtem means everybody must take a lulav on the first day of Yamtiv. The Gemara says, Lachem, Misha Lachem. And what is the Gemara that says, Lachem? Lachem means it has to be yours. Lahotzi es ha-sho'ol ve'es ha-gozel. To exclude a borrowed lulav, to exclude a stolen lulav. Mikan amru chachamim, the chachamim said, Ein adam yotzei dechavasi v'yom tavishan shachag, bilulavo shel chavero, elo imkein nosnu lo b'matana. So I will say, so, interestingly enough, the Gemara says, Ulekachtem lachem, two drashas. Ulekachtem, it has to be a complete act of taking. Everyone has to take their own lachem. 
and you have to be the owner of that lulav. Therefore, on the first day of Sukkis, you cannot be yote with a borrowed lulav, with a stolen lulav. They're both saying, each of the Gemara says, however, there is one way you could do it, which is, if your friend gives you his lulav bimatana. Shabosai, so again, if I go, I don't have a lulav, Reuven has a lulav, I want to be yotze, but how could I be yotze with Reuven's lulav on the first day? Reuven can give it to me bimatana, as a gift. And if he gifts it to me, if he fully gifts it to me, which means again, when you gift something to someone, the recipient becomes the owner. If Reuven gifts me his lulav, I become the owner of that lulav, could fulfill the mitzvah of lachem. Let's listen to this. And it was a story of Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Akiva. And you expected to say Shayu Mesumu Nebrak, right? Uh, but now, let's listen to this. Shayu Ba'in Besvina. They were on a boat together. Rabbi Gamliel was the only one who had a lulav. Shalakho Be'elef Zuz. And how much did he buy that lulav for? 1,000 zuz, an exorbitant amount of money. Not lo Rabbi Gamliel, v'yatsa. But Rabbi Gamliel took the lulav, lulav and Esrik first, and he was yotze. V'naz lo Rabbi Yoshua matano. And then he gave it to Rabbi Yoshua b'matano. as a gift. Then what happened? Not lo Rabbi Yoshua, v'yatsa. But Rabbi Yoshua then took it. Because now once, once Rabbi Gamliel gave it to him as a matano, Rabbi Yoshua becomes the owner. Rabbi Yoshua took it, made the brach over it, yotze. V'naz lo Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. He then... Gave it to Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, the matana with a gift. Not Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah took it. The Yotzavo, he was Yotzei. The Nostam matana Rabbi Akiva, and then he gave it to Rabbi Akiva. Not Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva took it, used it, fulfilled the mitzvah. The Yotzavo, the Achzil Rabbi Gamliel. Boss, and it's interesting. Machlokes. We don't have time for it now. There's machlokes about how exactly this happened. Did it happen that ultimately again each one took it, gave it back to Rabbi Gamliel, and Rabbi Gamliel regifted it? Or it's that, no, Rabbi Gamil gifted it to A, A becomes the owner, A gifted it to B, B because again, it's just an interesting discussion in the post game. In any event, the Gemara says, Lama, so the point of the story of his what? Is that Allah Lamaisa, even though there is an obligation of Lachem, that Lachem can be satisfied how? How? Through a gift. Through a gift. If you fully gift something to someone, they become the owner. The Gemara says, by the way, Lamuli Lameimar Hechzero, ultimately again, why does it have to say he gave it back? Right? Why, why does it have to say he gave it back? So the Gemara says, Milsa Agav Orche Kamash Malon Matana Amnas Lahachzir Shma Matana. It's teaching us, Rabbi Say, by the way, a separate associated halacha, which is that if you give a gift on the condition that it be returned, that is still called a gift. So Rabbi Say, so again, two halachas, so this will have to stop, but two halachas. Halacha number one, well, three halachas. Halacha number one is that for the first day of Yom Tiv, you must own your own lulav and esrog. Lachem. Halacha number two, halacha number two, is that that lachem could be accomplished if what? Someone gifts you their lulav and esrog. And halacha number three, which we'll expound upon tomorrow, which is even if it is a gift on the condition to be returned, what we call a matano, a manas lahachzir, that is still a proper matano, still a proper conveyance of ownership, and the secondary party could still be yotzeh. So we'll pick up with that last piece in Mirat Hashem tomorrow.